Revelation 19 through 22, Judgment Day. Where we left off in Revelation 18, it was the fall of Babylon. Now on to chapter 19 and the aftermath. After this, I heard what sounded like the roar of a great multitude in heaven shouting, Hallelujah! Salvation and glory and power belong to our God, for true and just are his judgments. He has condemned the great prostitute who corrupted the earth by her adulteries. He has avenged on her the blood of his servants. And again they shouted, Hallelujah! The smoke from her goes up forever and ever. The twenty-four elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshipped God who was seated on the throne, and they cried, Amen. Hallelujah. Then a voice came from the throne saying, Praise our God, all you his servants who fear him, both great and small. Then I heard what sounded like a great multitude, like the roar of rushing waters and like loud peals of thunder shouting. Can you guess? Hallelujah. For our Lord God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory. For the wedding of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear. Fine linen stands for the righteous acts of God's holy people. Then the angel said to me, Write this, Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. And he added, These are the true words of God. At this I fell at his feet to worship him. But he said to me, Don't do that. I am a fellow servant with you and with your brothers and sisters who hold to the testimony of Jesus. Worship God. For it is the spirit of prophecy who bears testimony to Jesus. I saw heaven standing open, and there before me was a white horse, whose rider is called Faithful and True. With justice he judges and wages war. His eyes are like blazing fire, and on his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows but he himself. He is dressed in a robe, dipped in blood, weird, and his name is the Word of God. The armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. Coming out of his mouth is a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh he has this name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And I saw an angel standing in the sun who cried in a loud voice to all the birds flying in midair, Come, gather together for the great supper of God, so that you may eat the flesh of kings, generals, and the mighty, of horses and their riders, and the flesh of all people, free and slave, great and small. Then I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to wage war against the rider on the horse and his army. But the beast was captured, and with it the false prophet who had performed the signs on its behalf. With these signs he had deluded those who had received the mark of the beast and worshipped its image. The two of them were thrown alive into the fiery lake of burning sulfur. The rest were killed with the sword coming out of the mouth of the rider on the horse, and all the birds gorged themselves on their flesh. So everybody is praising the fall of Babylon, and then here comes Jesus on his white horse. Finally, this is what we've been waiting on. And he's like, hey, birds, flesh-eating birds, gather. We're going to feast on these carcasses. Apparently the beast and the false prophet don't put up much of a fight, and Jesus just comes in there like Stone Cold Steve Austin. And stuns everybody. Have you ever watched the Royal Rumble? You know, Stone Cold comes down there and starts stunning everybody in the ring and they just go flying everywhere. Basically, that's what I see Jesus doing here in Revelation chapter 19. Revelation chapter 20. And I saw an angel coming down out of heaven, having the key to the abyss and holding in his hand 
a great chain. He seized the dragon, that ancient serpent who is the devil or Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. He threw him into the abyss and locked and sealed it over him to keep him from deceiving the nations anymore until the thousand years were ended. After that, he must be set free for a short time. I saw thrones on which were seated those who had been given authority to judge, and I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded because of their testimony about Jesus and because of the word of God. They had not worshipped the beast or its image and had not received its mark on their foreheads or their hands. They came to life and reigned with Christ a thousand years. The rest of the dead did not come to life until a thousand years were ended. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy. I don't know if it's blessed or blessed. I just I like saying blessed because it sounds cooler. Blessed and holy are those who share in the first resurrection. The second death has no power over them, but they will be priests of God and of Christ and will reign with him for a thousand years. When the thousand years are over, Satan will be released from his prison and will go out to deceive the nations in the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, and to gather them for battle. In number, they are like the sand on the seashore. They marched across the breadth of the earth and surrounded the camp of God's people, the city he loves. But fire came down from heaven and devoured them. And the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of burning sulfur, where the beast and the false prophet had been thrown. They will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. The earth and the heavens fled from his presence, and there was no place for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. Another book was opened, which is the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had done, as recorded in the books. The sea gave up the dead that were in it, and the death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them. And each person was judged according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. Anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. So here Satan is bound for a thousand years. My question is, why doesn't God just go ahead and destroy him? Why just like, all right, here's what we're going to do. We're going to bound you for a thousand years, and then we're going to set you free again. What is up with that? Why not just throw him into the lake of fire right then? It doesn't make much sense to me. See, I get why there is so much confusion and conflicting opinions in the Christian community on hell, because when you read through Revelation, you see that there is Hades, there is the lake of burning sulfur, there is a lake of fire. In Revelation 14, it could be thought that the Bible is saying that there is eternal torment in hell. And then right here in Revelation 20, it says that the lake of fire is the second death. So I think that's where the difference of opinion comes in on what exactly hell is. Is it eternal? Is it not? Chapter 21, a new heaven and a new earth. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, it is done. I am the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. Those who are victorious will inherit all this, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters, and all liars, 
they will be consigned to the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. See right there, it talks about the lake of burning sulfur again. And this is where Satan and the false prophet and the beast already are. And it says that they're going to burn for eternity. So are these people also going to burn for eternity? Or is this just where they go and then they're dead and that's it? One of the seven angels who had the seven bowls full of the seven last plagues came to me and said, Come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. And he carried me away in the spirit to a mountain great and high and showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. It shone with the glory of God, and its brilliance was like that of a very precious jewel, like a jasper, clear as crystal. It had a great high wall with twelve gates and with twelve angels at the gates. On the gates were written the names of the twelve tribes of Israel. There were three gates on the east, three on the north, three on the south, and three on the west. The wall of the city had twelve foundations, and on them were the names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. The angel who talked with me had a measuring rod of gold to measure the city, its gates, and its walls. The city was laid out like a square, as long as it was wide. He measured the city with a rod and found it to be twelve thousand stadia in length, and as wide and as high as it is long. The angel measured the wall using human measurement, and it was 144 cubits thick. The wall was made of jasper, and the city of pure gold as pure as glass. The foundations of the city walls were decorated with every kind of precious stone. The first foundation was jasper, the second sapphire, the third agate, the fourth emerald, the fifth onyx, the sixth ruby, the seventh chrysolite, the eighth beryl, the ninth topaz, the tenth turquoise, the eleventh jacinth, and the twelfth amethyst. The twelve gates were twelve pearls, each gate made of a single pearl. The great street of the city was of gold, as pure as transparent glass. I did not see a temple in the city because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and the Lamb is its lamp. The nations will walk by its light, and the kings of the earth will bring their splendor into it. On no day will its gates ever be shut, for there will be no night there. The glory and honor of the nations will be brought into it. Nothing impure will ever enter it, nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Honestly, I don't really have anything bad to say about Revelation 21. Uh, it sounds like a pretty kick-ass city to live in. I do think it's weird that it's like, oh, there will be no sun or moon. Jesus and God are going to give off all the light. It's kind of weird. I mean, can it, does that mean anybody can can anybody talk to him or anything? Or I mean, if you're walking up to somebody and they're as bright as the sun, how does that work? I mean, it sounds like a pretty cool place to be, but what reason do I have to believe that this is real? That this is really going to happen? That this place is going to be where all the believers live when this is all said and done? Okay, forget that this is in the Bible. If somebody came to you now with a book like this that saying these same things and told you that it was going to be true in the future, you wouldn't believe it, right? I mean, people only believe this because it's been around for a long time. The Book of Mormon comes to mind. People dismiss that as, you know, the Mormons are crazy. Joseph Smith is is crazy. But here you have John writing about all this craziness, and it's just accepted as the truth. Now on to Revelation chapter 22, aka the last chapter of Revelation. And I am glad to be done with this series. It's been fun but I'm ready to move on to something else. Eden restored. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and the Lamb down the middle of the great street of the city. 
On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing twelve crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city, and his servants will serve him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun, for the Lord God will give them light, and they will reign forever and ever. Then the angel said to me, These words are trustworthy and true. The Lord, the God who inspires the prophets, sent his angel to show his servants the things that must soon take place. Look, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy written in this scroll. I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things. And when I had heard and seen them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who had been showing them to me. But he said to me, Don't do that. I am a fellow servant with you and your fellow prophets and with all who keep the words of the scroll. Worship God, you stupid ass. Then he told me, Do not seal up the words of the prophecy of the scroll because the time is near. Let the one who does wrong continue to do wrong. Let the vile person continue to be vile. Let the one who does right continue to do right. And let the holy person continue to be holy. Look, I am coming soon. My reward is with me, and I will give to each person according to what they have done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes, that they may have the right to the tree of life, and may go through the gates into the city. Outside are the dogs, those who practice magic arts, the sexually immoral, the murderers, the idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you the testimony for the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright morning star. The spirit and the bride say, come. And let the one who hears say, come. Let the one who is thirsty come and let the one who wishes to take the free gift of the water of life. I warn everyone who hears the words of this prophecy of the scroll, if anyone adds anything to them, God will add to that person the plagues described in the scroll. And if anyone takes the words away from the scroll of prophecy, God will take away from that person any share in the tree of life and in the holy city which are described in the scroll. He who testifies to these things say, Yes, I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with God's people. Amen. Here's my big takeaway from Revelation. If God wants us to know these things, why would he give these visions to one person and then trust that that one person's message is going to get to the rest of the world? This message, which was written around 100 AD, which we no longer have any of the original manuscripts of, they've all been copied and copied imperfectly and translated multiple times. And the rest of us are just supposed to accept this as the truth except that Jesus gave John this vision and these words and all of these warnings. We're just supposed to believe that on faith, I guess. So what about the people who are born in different countries to different religions? Um, their parents are have a completely different faith and they're raised up to believe those things. They're going to burn because they don't know these words of Jesus because this wasn't introduced to them as a kid. I mean, you have to realize that road is a lot harder for people who aren't brought up with this scripture. The chances that they're never going to turn to this scripture are very high, and that makes them evil? That's the main issue I have. It's like, why should we believe this? If a God exists, and he wants me to know that he exists, and he wants me to believe these words that were written 
a couple thousand years ago, then he knows exactly where to find me. And that's the way I look at it. I appreciate you coming on this journey of revelation with me. If you like this channel and you want to support me, you can do so at patreon.com slash Jesus unfollower for just a couple bucks a month. Anything helps. I really appreciate it. Thank you to my current patrons, Ainsley, Marissa, Leah, Robert, and World of Peepers. Until next time, let logic and reason guide the way. Peace out.